You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another edition of The Corbett Report. I'm your host, as always, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you from the sunny climes of Western Japan here in late November of 2020. And you are tuned into episode 389 of The Corbett Report podcast, debunking the JFK silver certificate myth. Now, what you are about to watch is the fruits of a presentation uh, that I have recently delivered virtually, of course, to the JFK Lancer Conference, which I'm sure many in the audience will be familiar with. The JFK Lancer Conference is the annual conference generally held physically in Dallas around the time of the anniversary of the JFK assassination. November 22nd, and uh, which brings together some of the premier researchers in the JFK assassination space for deep dives into the the very voluminous uh, literature of the JFK assassination and uh, the latest stage of that research. And this year, they asked me to present, virtually, of course, to that conference, specifically about the JFK silver certificate myth, which is something that I'm sure many in the audience will be familiar with, if from nothing else than my own previous coverage of this subject. But I assure you, as much as you may think you know about this subject, there is a lot of very, very detailed evidence presented in this lecture. So I hope you have your pen and paper ready uh, by your side. Now, of course, this is thankfully something of a brief break from the non-stop, incessant 24-7 coverage of the dystopian nightmare that we find ourselves in, in the erection of the biosecurity state and the pressing of the Great Reset button, Um, but it is, of course, still very relevant and for many is one of the milestones on the path towards the situation that we find ourselves in today. Many people understand that what happened in Dallas on November 22nd, 1963 was a coup d'etat that really did set history on the path that it's been on for at least the past 50 or 60 years, and it is an important thing to be talking about, but And I'm sure 99.9% of my audience understands this, but for the 0.1% or for the new people to the audience, of course, all of my work on the JFK assassination over the past 13 years has shown, yes, of course, I understand that JFK was assassinated as the result of a conspiracy. But having said that, there are still easily debunkable conspiracy canards that are thrown out from time to time uh, regarding that assassination and regarding all of these other events that I cover as well, uh, that not only can be debunked, but should be debunked, even by people who do understand this was an assassination as a result of conspiracy, because if we forward easily debunkable and easily demonstrable untruths in the name of pursuing the truth, we not only do a disservice to ourselves, but we do a disservice to the truth itself that we claim to be in search of. So I think it's always incumbent on us to check our assertions and to listen to criticisms and take them on board. So having said that, I'm going to present this presentation, which I delivered to the JFK Lancer conference, and I will throw in a link to the JFK Lancer website so you can find out more about uh, Lancer, its work in the past, and uh, gain access to the other presentations that were delivered this year. Uh, Having said all of that, of course, the show notes will be voluminous, so I hope you will check them out and make use of them as the resource that they are, but I'll stop blabbing and let you listen to the presentation. Here it is. Hello, 
This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and I would like to thank the organizers, curators, and partners of the JFK Lancer Conference for giving me this opportunity to deliver this talk today. And today I would like to talk to you about the JFK Silver Certificate Myth. And I would imagine that many people in this audience are already familiar with that myth about JFK silver certificates and the end question mark of the Federal Reserve. But if you are not, don't fret. There are any number of outlets in the online commentariat space or even the JFK assassination documentary space that would be happy to fill you in on the details of this theory. Now, on June 4, 1963, President John F. Kennedy signed Executive Order 11110, which authorized the U.S. Treasury to start printing a new form of the silver certificate called the United States Note. John F. Kennedy issued $4 billion worth of this new cash money free of debt, free of interest, and it was enough money to allow the nation to conduct its business without needing to involve the private Federal Reserve Bank. And something that very few people understand is he signed an executive order in 1963 giving the U.S. Treasury the power and authority to print United States notes at zero interest. And silver certificates against the silver that was deposited in the U.S. Treasury. What would this do? It eclipsed the Federal Reserve. Executive Order 11110 signed into law early 1963 where with the stroke of his pen he took away the power of the Federal Reserve to print the money. On June 4, 1963, President Kennedy signed Executive Order 11110. This executive order empowered the U.S. Treasury to issue real money without the Fed. It would have worked. Kennedy's plan to dismantle the Federal Reserve machine had begun. Six months later, John F. Kennedy went to Dallas and never returned. As I say, I am sure that this audience has heard this theory in some form or another, at least in its broad outline, namely the idea that John F. Kennedy was assassinated, at least in part, by the banking interests and the banking lobby of his time for going against that banking lobby with Executive Order 11110. There's only one problem with this theory. It is exactly opposite of reality. So let's flesh that out in detail because it is important to look at the actual uh, issues and the various legislative instruments that are being referred to here. So let's get the canonical reading of this theory from Jim Mars's Crossfire, the plot that killed Kennedy. And I'm going to be reading specifically from the 1990 paperback uh, edition uh, page 275, where Mars writes, quote, Another overlooked aspect of Kennedy's attempt to reform American society involves money. 
Kennedy apparently reasoned that by returning to the Constitution, which states that only Congress shall coin and regulate money, the soaring national debt could be reduced by not paying interest to the bankers of the Federal Reserve System, who print paper money, then loan it to the government at interest. He moved in this area on June 4, 1963, by signing Executive Order 11110, which called for the issuance of $4 billion, in United States notes through the U.S. Treasury rather than the traditional Federal Reserve System. That same day, Kennedy signed a bill changing the backing of $1 and $2 bills from silver to gold, adding strength to the weakened U.S. currency. Kennedy's controller of the currency, James J. Saxon, had been at odds with the powerful Federal Reserve Board for some time, encouraging broader investment and lending powers for banks that were not part of the Federal Reserve System. Saxon also had decided that non-reserve banks could underwrite state and local general obligation bonds, again weakening the dominant Federal Reserve banks. A number of Kennedy bills were indeed issued. The author has a $5 bill in his possession with the heading United States Note, but were quickly withdrawn after Kennedy's death. According to information from the Library of the Comptroller of the Currency, Executive Order 11110 remains in effect today, although successive administrations beginning with that of President Lyndon Johnson apparently have simply ignored it and instead returned to the practice of paying interest on Federal Reserve notes. End quote. Well, that is the claim. And how much of that stacks up against what we can actually determine about this executive order? Well, let's take a look at the executive order itself. Executive Order 11110, signed by Kennedy on June 4th, 1963. And just from the title, Executive Order 11110, Amendment of Executive Order Number 10289, as amended, related, relating to the performance of certain functions affecting the Department of the Treasury, we know that this executive order specifically amends a previous executive order, so we have to go back to that previous executive order. Executive Order 10289, providing for the performance of certain functions of the President by the Secretary of the Treasury, signed uh, off on by then-President Harry S. Truman on September 17, 1951. And in order to understand 11110, we have to understand that Executive Order 10289 as it says, was explicitly authorizing the Secretary of the Treasury uh, to perform certain functions of uh, without the approval, ratification, or other action of the President. And so to that list of functions that the Secretary of the Treasury can perform without the approval of the President, Executive Order 11110 that Kennedy signed in 1963 added the following... Quote, the authority vested in the President by paragraph B of section 43 of the Act of May 12, 1933, as amended, 31 U.S.C. 821 uh, paragraph B, to issue silver certificates against any silver bullion, silver, or standard silver dollars in the Treasury not then held for redemption of any outstanding silver certificates, to prescribe the denominations of such sil silver certificates, and to coin standard silver dollars and subsidiary silver currency for their redemption. So, what have we learned? We've learned that Executive Order 11110 was specifically giving the Secretary of the Treasury the power to issue silver certificates 
on the Treasury's silver reserves. But there's one strange thing about that. The Secretary of the Treasury already had that power. So why is JFK signing an executive order to give the Treasury Secretary powers he already had? It's because on the exact same day as EO 11110 was signed, June 4th, 1963, there was another piece of legislation that JFK was signing into law, specifically Public Law 88-36, which did a couple of important things, one of which was repeal the Silver Purchase Act of 1934, which was the statutory authority for the Treasury Secretary to issue silver certificates. So, because that was repealed, Executive Order 1110 simply gave that particular power back to the Treasury Secretary. It came out one hand and into the other. The status quo was maintained. So Executive Order 11110 did not change anything about the status quo uh, with regards to the Treasury or its ability to issue silver certificates. It maintained that status quo. So to repeat... The exact same powers that the Secretary of the Treasury had on June 3rd, 1963, are the ones that he had on June 4th, 1963, when this executive order was signed. Nothing changed in that regard. But Public Law 88-36 also did something else that was pretty important, including the repeal of the Silver Purchase Act of 1934, which was important. But it also authorized the Federal Reserve to do something which it was not authorized to do before, namely to print one and two dollar denomination Federal Reserve notes. You see, up until that time, the Federal Reserve was only able to issue Federal Reserve notes, which are different than U.S. Treasury notes that are not backed up by silver, that are not silver certificates. Federal Reserve notes, the Federal Reserve was only authorized to issue those in higher denominations, but not one or two dollar denominations. Public Law 88-36, signed by JFK on June 4th, 1963, gave the Federal Reserve the power for the first time to start circulating one and two dollar denomination Federal Reserve notes. Already, I hope you're starting to see that there is something very different going on with this executive order and let's not forget the other laws that were signed on that same day, there is something very different going on here than is being propounded by the proponents of the silver certificate myth. So the real question is then, why? Why are, what, what is this repeal of the Silver Purchase Act about? And why is the Federal Reserve being given more power to print more Federal Reserve notes by JFK. And we don't have to dig very deep for the answer to that. It was widely reported and widely known at the time. We could go back, for example, to an article that appeared in the Southeast Missourian on November 28, 1961, at near the beginning of the JFK administration, under the headline, Certificates May Go, New Kennedy Silver Policy, which says in part, quote, the silver certificate, a familiar item of currency since 1878, will disappear from circulation if Congress approves President Kennedy's new silver policy. All $1 and $2 bills are silver certificates, as are some $5 and $10 bills. All of these would be discarded during the next 25 or 30 years to be replaced by Federal Reserve notes, which are backed by gold. In effect, the President wants to end 
silver's status as an important monetary metal and make it a freely traded commodity like copper or soybeans. So, once again, let's underline that it was Kennedy's stated policy goal to actually end the issuance of silver certificates in direct contradiction to Mars and the others who argue that Executive Order 11110 was about some sort of plan to issue more silver certificates. No, it was the culmination of a long series of legislative steps and proposals and policies that uh, discussions that had gone on in the Kennedy administration for three years at that point in order to get rid of silver certificates, and we do not have to take the Southeast Missourian or any other reporter's word for that. We can get that from JFK himself. In the economic report to, of the president in 1963, the report to Congress issued every year, in the 1963 edition of that report, Kennedy said in a section about silver, quote, I again urge a revision in our silver policy to reflect the status of silver as a metal for which there is an expanding industrial demand. Except for its use in coins, silver serves no useful monetary function. In 1961, at my direction, sales of silver were suspended by the Secretary of the Treasury. As further steps, I recommend repeal of those acts that oblige the Treasury to support the price of silver, and repeal of the special 50% tax on transfers of interest in silver and authorization for the Federal Reserve System to issue notes in denominations of $1 so as to make possible the gradual withdrawal of silver certificates from circulation and the use of the silver thus released for coinage purposes. I urge the Congress to take prompt action on these recommended changes. Kennedy, in his own words was arguing for the end of U.S. Treasury-issued silver certificates. And Public Law 88-36 was the response by Congress to that appeal that JFK himself made in his own economic report to Congress in January of 1963. So, once again, let's underline that. In direct opposition to the JFK silver certificate myth about Executive Order 11110, Kennedy explicitly wanted to end the issuance of silver certificates and replace them with Federal Reserve notes. Again, this is 180 degrees exactly opposite to the narrative propounded by the proponents of the silver certificate myth. And ultimately, as we know, this is exactly what happened. It was JFK's Treasury Secretary, uh, C. Douglas Dillon, who himself was the man that JFK entrusted with ending the silver certificates and to whom he explicitly in Executive Order 11110 gave the power of silver certificates to, who did announce the end of the redemption of silver certificates in 1964, exactly in line with Kennedy's stated policy goal. And in case we need any more backing up of this, the uh, the record of the time, again, backs this up. The Spokane Daily Chronicle had a report about Public Law 88-36, which, again, Kennedy signed on the same day as Executive Order 11110. Uh, the Spokane Daily Chronicle had an article, Kennedy Signs Silver Bill, on June 6, 1963, in which they say, quote, 
President Kennedy announced yesterday the signing of a bill permitting the gradual melting down of silver bullion reserves for use in making coins. The measure was signed Tuesday, but the announcement was delayed until Kennedy reached this silver-producing state on the first leg of a five-day, five-state Western trip. Under the new law, pushed by the administration, the Treasury will be able to retire silver certificates paper money now backed by silver bullion as the bullion is melted down for coinage. The silver certificates would be replaced by Federal Reserve notes. So once again, this was the stated policy goal. It is what Kennedy asked for. It is what he received and it is what he enacted on June 4th, 1963. And this was no, this was not just some sort of side thing that or just a, a, a minor thing. He actually made a specific trip down to Colorado Springs to announce this in the, uh, it, it, as the Spokane Daily Chronicle notes, it was part of a silver-producing state, first leg of a five-day, five-state Western trip. He wanted to announce this in a place for which this had particular resonance as a mining, uh, in a mining location. So, once again, Kennedy explicitly, 180 degrees opposite to the way it is portrayed in the myth, actually actively wanted to end the U.S. Treasury's issuance of silver certificates and replace them with Federal Reserve notes. So it is important to note that the proponents of this myth do not just make an analytical mistake. They do not just get their facts wrong. They do not just make a technical analysis error. They actually flip the very substance of their accusation completely on its head. Of course, the bigger part of this Executive Order 11110 myth is that it provides some sort of uh, motivation for the banking interests or the banking lobby or banking powers of that time in 1963 to have played a part in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Whereas, in fact, his moves to end the issuance of silver certificates and replace them with Federal Reserve notes was exactly what the banking lobby had been actively and vociferously arguing for for decades at that point. In fact, in order to understand just how important this repeal of the Silver Purchase Act of 1934 and the ending of the silver certificate issuance and the beginning of $1 and $2 denomination Federal Reserve notes, to, to really understand the significance of that, you have to understand the incredibly, absolutely central role that silver as a monetary instrument played in the development of the populist movement that arose in the U.S., in the late 19th century. We care not upon what line the battle is fought. If they say bimetallism is good, but that we cannot have it until other nations help us, we reply that instead of having a gold standard, because England has, we will restore bimetallism, and then let England have bimetallism, because the United States has. If they dare to come out in the open field, and defend the gold standards a good thing, we will fight them to the uttermost. Having behind us the producing masses of this nation and the world, supported by the commercial interests, the laboring interests, and the toilers everywhere, we will answer their demand for a gold standard by saying to them, 
You shall not press down upon the brow of labor this crown of thorns. You shall not crucify mankind upon a cross of gold. That is an audio reenactment of one of the most famous speeches in American political history, the famous Cross of Gold speech delivered by William Jennings Bryan at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago back in 1896. And that speech represented the swelling of a populist movement that was gaining traction with the general public in the late 19th, early 20th century around this issue of free silver adding silver back into the monetary supply, which had been taken out by way of the Coinage Act of 1873, referred to as the Crime of 1873, that had greatly restricted the money supply because uh, before that point, silver could be minted into fully legal tender silver dollar coins. But after the passage of the Coinage Act of 1873, silver was demonetized. That caused great consternation and problems uh, for people attempting to pay their debts to the bankers and finding that they could not use silver. And that restriction greatly restricted the money supply. It caused deep economic pain for much of the country, but the bankers benefited from having a large uh, share of the gold supply and gold reserves at that time and having control over that market much more easily than they would have over the much more easily mineable silver. That's why there was a populist movement that arose against this. That's why there was such agitation for it. That's why in 1934, as part of the economic uh, various economic ideas that were being thrown out to deal with the depression. One of them was to reintroduce the monetization of silver. And that was what John F. Kennedy was specifically calling for Congress to repeal, that Congress repealed, and that Executive Order 11110 was responding to. And as we've seen, that executive order did nothing more than retain the power of this, the Treasury uh, Secretary to issue silver certificates. The same power that he had had before was the same power that was being given back that had just been repealed because, more importantly, the Silver Purchase Act of 1934 was being repealed. Now, I won't get into the full economic monetary history of the United States and the this free silver movement. And if you are interested in the monetary uh, situation uh, uh, as it developed throughout the history of the United States, I would suggest you go to CorbettReport.com slash Federal Reserve for my complete documentary on the subject of the history of the creation of the Federal Reserve. But suffice it to say for our purposes today, the idea that has been portrayed that Executive Order 1110 was aimed at the bankers and that was motivation for the bankers to be involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy is completely false. It is not just wrong, it actually gets the narrative exactly opposite to reality. John F. Kennedy was not trying to de-end the Fed or in any way uh, diminish their powers. In fact, he was making Federal Reserve notes more readily available, more widely used, and paving the way for, as he himself, in his own words, called for, the demonetization of silver, the removing of silver from the money supply. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened as a result of the, the legislation that was passed on June 4th, 1963, and the executive order, which was just part of that legislation that was being passed. 
one other note that is, I think, at least worth noting, you will remember that in Jim Mars's formulation of this theory, he did say that, uh, according to his research, this Executive Order 11110 was still on the books. And this is published in Crossfire, which came out in the late 1980s, 1990 paperback edition. That, too, is actually factually incorrect. Uh, Executive Order 11110 was essentially repealed by legislation that was passed by Congress in 1982. And then there was a further cleanup of executive orders that took place under Reagan in 1987 that actually did revoke 11110, even though it was at that point moot because of the 1982 legislation. So it was not on the books and it was not operative at the time that Jim Mars published his book. So, again, every facet of this theory and this story is incorrect. And yet, it, as I'm sure people in this audience will know, continues to be uh, cited over and over and over again in the assassination theory space. There are people who will still cite Executive Order 11110 as proof of John F. Kennedy's war against the Federal Reserve and war against the banking community. It is not. And the more you look into it, the more you realize this is exactly what the banking community had been vociferously vociferously lobbying for for decades since essentially the passage of the Silver Purchase Act. And I'll throw in a couple of notes to this uh, for examples of that. For example, we could turn to the New York Times of January 1936, Silver Act repeal urged by experts. 1935 showed complete failure of law to accomplish its aim, Handy and Harmon assert, uh, talking at some length about the banking community's consternation over that law. They were at it for years and years. March 1940, you can turn to a New York Times article, vote to end power to buy alien silver. Again, the bankers were at war with the idea of monetizing silver uh, and keeping silver as part of the monetary supply, uh, precisely because it did lessen their uh, leverage over the economy. So John F. Kennedy's moves to demonetize silver, although ostensibly because of uh, mining pressures and and the the increasing use of silver uh, as a commodity uh, was the ostensible reason for it, but it certainly aligned with the banking community's interests. It was not going against the banking community. Now, whatever interests the banking community generally may have had in ending JFK's presidency and may have played some sort of role in a motivation for uh, participation in the assassination Whatever that may or may not be, we can definitively say that Executive Order 11110 was not part of that motivation. And I hope that what I have laid out here today proves that. At any rate, as always, with all of my work, I will ask you to check into these sources for yourself. Do not accept anyone's interpretation for them. These sources are widely available and instantaneously available on the internet, so you can go and research this for yourself, and I would suggest you do so if you have any doubts at all about this narrative, because I think it is important to put this myth to bed. There are a lot of myths that swirl around the assassination uh, theory space, and I would like this particular one to uh, be put to bed so that we can continue on with the important work of assembling real, important, vital information about the assassination of John F. Kennedy. 
I'd like to thank JFK Lancer once again for giving me the opportunity to give this presentation and invite everyone watching this presentation. If you are interested, please peruse the Corbett Report archives at CorbettReport.com. Thousands of hours of audio and video material that I have produced over the past 13 years available completely for free on the JFK assassination and many other topics besides. I hope you will use it as a resource. That's what it's intended for. Thank you for your time. James Corbett, CorbettReport.com.